the greatest Hello and welcome. Welcome and hello. This is Wait, You Haven't Seen. It's a show where we talk about movies, and specifically, we talk about a movie at least one of us has never seen before. I'm your host, Travis, a.k.a. TV's Travis. This is episode number 203, and our film this week was 2006 Paprika. Joining me to talk about it, she's seen it before and brought it to me, it's Amy Frost. Amy, how are you? I'm good. I, this, I've wanted to make you watch this one for a hot second. <laughs> All right, so give me your history with Paprika. Where did you hear about it for the first time? When did you see it? Give me a little bit of that. All right, so like I I did go through a pretty heavy anime phase in the 2000s. So it's somewhere stuck in there. Uh, You're probably going to have a lot of questions about this movie, and my answer will always be like, well, Japan. Um, (laughs) Because sooner or later it does boil down to that a lot of the time. Um, it, I, I, I can't pinpoint it, but I do own it on DVD, um, which I'm assuming was the only way that I was able to watch it in the first place was purchasing the DVD. Um, yeah, I love this movie so much and I'm so excited. So, so this was a movie I had heard of it's referenced Uh often, um, in both anime circles, just straight film circles, um, reference this movie quite a bit uh, for its influence on a few different things and the director's influence on stuff. We'll kind of get into that. But I had never yeah. seen it. It was just one that it just it was never high on my radar. Like I don't avoid anime, but I'm not a I don't seek it out and rabidly um, watch everything that I can. However, it seems like almost always when somebody's like you should really watch this you know this movie or this series i end up liking it um yeah and like i've seen uh, a couple of miyazaki films in theaters um i remember when spirited away came out they ran it in our local theater here during uh-huh. its initial run so i went and saw that i loved it because i love princess mononoke so much yeah. and um i think the most recent anime that we've done for this show was one called redline uh, that I yep. watched last year that was really surprisingly good. Um, and I, it was kind of one of those going into it. I'm like, I'll probably enjoy this, but I didn't realize how much paprika falls into that same category, much like the Japanese film I watched last week, fish story, mm-hmm. which was, I got a feeling we're going to enjoy this just because so many people talk great about it. And it's got such a good reputation, but this yeah. is really good. <laughs> this is a really good movie. And yeah. it is not a movie for everyone. I'm going to put that right no. front and center. I'm this, pretty sure that if I'm the one bringing the movie, <laughs> it's pretty much a guarantee it's not for everyone. I mean, yes, but I have had discussions. I re- okay, so um, when when I covered Twelve Monkeys a, a few a uh, couple months ago, yeah, my guest didn't didn't love that, and in part because. It's a Terry Gilliam, so there's a little, there's a lot of surrealism in it. Oh yeah, and that's this movie. This movie is a surrealist, uh, <laughs> in in like the the truest sense uh, type of movie. It, anime already gets a reputation for just being weird because, as you said, Japan. Um, yeah. For for a Western audience, it's a very different style of storytelling. 
Yes. This is weird even by those standards. And weird oh, in, in like weird in a way of like it's not a traditional story where you're going from A to B to C telling a progressive narrative. There's stuff in there. There is a narrative going on. Yeah. But there's so much else happening at the same time mm-hmm. that you're trying to juggle and take care of. And I, for me, one of my big pillars of whether it's a book or a TV series or a movie or a video game or whatever, less so necessarily with video games, although it, it helps, is a good story. I want a story that's going to yeah. engage me. And it doesn't have to be a narrative plot flowing from A to B to C linearly. It doesn't. It, I, I don't right. need that for it to be a good story. Um, one of my favorite books I've ever read and that had a huge impact on me makes zero sense if you think of it in that way. Um, yeah. <laughs> so you just you just can't. And this falls into that. I love surrealism and I love this like the stuff that kind of makes your brain itch a little bit. You kind of you get done watching. And you're like, I think I liked that, but I'm not sure. And you have to then you have to like process and think about it. And you like, the more that happens for me, the more I end up liking the thing. And then I want to go back and watch it more. And, and with that new mindset and that new perspective right. of now I've seen it once. It's why I like Terry Gilliam's films Yep, because you can watch them over and over and you're always going to get something new from them. Yeah. Um, there's certain movies I like to watch over and over. That is that comfort food. It's that big bowl of uh, Mac and cheese or, or beef stroganoff mm-hmm. or whatever you want it to be where like running scared, for instance, basically the same experience every time I watch it, but it's like putting on a warm sweater and I yeah. love it. A movie like this or Brazil or, uh, you know, something like that, I'm going to watch it over and over. I'm getting something different every time, like drastically different. So that's the first thing I want to say is it's not a movie for everyone, but who oh boy, if you can, if you can kind of adjust your, your viewpoint to match kind of what this movie needs to be, it's something else. There's a lot going on here. Um, and I love too, how it plays with dreams and reality, because uh-huh. to me, that's another thing that's very interesting. These dream sequences kind of hit close to the mark for me personally, because it's like my dreams. Sure. My dreams, uh, when I can remember them are bizarre and they do <laughs> a lot of these same things where, you shift perspectives and locations and time and weird stuff happens. I've had the the experience of trying to run down a hallway in a dream and the floor starts yeah. to go wibbly wobbly or it's like quicksand and you can't like no matter how hard I try to run, I can't run type yeah. of thing. Like I've experienced that in a dream vividly. Sure. So there was a lot of that that I kind of uh, identified with and attached to in this that just weird surrealistic moments of of craziness within this dream. But then the movie and the narrative have this way of you're never entirely sure if you're in a dream or reality throughout the movie. There's subtle. <laughs> yeah. And they try to give you some subtle clues. I feel like there's some coloring yeah. and things like that, that sort of try to tip you off. But then those rules just get tossed out the window at some points where, right. you know, you're led to believe there's a, there's dream within a dream moments and there's, all sorts of stuff like that in ways. And, and it's all done in ways that only animation can give you. 
So that's one of my favorite things about this. Um, one of my big complaints about like the second batch of love, death and robots mm -hmm. was the like, there was a lot of very like hyper realistic shorts. Okay. Um, and like, that's fine, but it animation is a medium where like, like, but why are you making it animated then? Like, what's the point of doing it in animation other than, like, as a tech demo, which, oh, okay, but that's not particularly interesting. Um, this movie, it, now, there was, there was talk of a live action version of this movie uh, at one point, which I can't, I, I'm very glad it didn't happen because this is a movie that celebrates the fact that you can do whatever you want in animation. Yeah. I mean, we got a little bit of the live action version of this movie in 2010 when Chris Nolan made Inception, which was very... <laughs> After you see Paprika, you can see the influence on it. But I think even Nolan has said that he's uh, a fan of anime. And I believe yeah, he's mentioned so that it was... Uh, that it influenced the visual style of Inception. Yeah, there's even, there's the scene where she's running down the hall, she's running away from the vines, from the chairman, and she runs up the wall, and that exact scene is in Inception. Mm -hmm. I mean, not the vines part, but I mean, it's just shot for shot, it's the same thing. There, there's that. Um, there's... Which is one of those things, it was, it like, because I'd seen this movie when mm -hmm. Inception came out, and mm -hmm. I loved this movie when Inception came out, and Inception came out, and I was like, well, this is just worse paprika. What are we doing? <laughs> well, I will say, and it's been a few years since I've seen Inception, but but I can see that. I also think that it's a different... Because um, I, I do think what Nolan was trying to do was take take the, the kernel, the seed of the idea of something like paprika with the whole mixture of dreams and reality yeah, and adapt it into a story that could be told in a live-action medium. While sure. while bringing in some of the imagery that uh, you know you had in Paprika from Satoshi Kon, because um, you're never going to replicate the animated experience. No. You're just not. No. Um, Aronoff, another person who is heavily influenced by um, anime and Satoshi uh, Kon in in particular is Darren Aronofsky. Um, yeah, he's actually got like some shot for shot moments in things like Requiem for a Dream. Uh, that were from yeah. Perfect Blue. He, I, yeah. I guess Aronofsky at one point was trying to get the uh, live action rights for Perfect Blue, um, which is another one I have not seen, but I know of, and I know bits and pieces of it. Um, yeah, I haven't seen that one either. And that was one uh, also uh, Aronofsky's Black Swan has a lot of uh, Perfect Blue yes. um, parallels to it as well. But I think what Nolan was trying to do, and I'm not, I, I can't really say which is better because I feel like I feel like between Paprika and Inception, for me, they're so different in their execution of what is essentially the same kind of an idea of this exploration of what is reality versus what is our dream subconscious. And yeah. our, which one is truly the real world and what happens when you blur the lines between the two, but it's a different... It's it's like hearing uh you know a song and then hearing a really good cover of that song where but it's transformative sure. it's a different version of it and so yeah. I feel like that's what that's more of what Nolan did with Inception 
Now, I saw Inception first, so maybe there's a little yeah. bit of that at play. But I feel like that's more of what Nolan was doing because you, you never, you're just not going to. But it was really cool to see, like, in this, there's that moment where she, uh, where Paprika finds the broken uh, mirror mm-hmm. and she steps through that world into, yeah. into the other part of the dream. And then I remember that moment from Inception. And I was like, okay, yeah. they didn't they didn't try to just do exactly the same thing, but they gave you a very similar piece of imagery used in a slightly yeah. different way. I think that from a from a dream sequence standpoint, Paprika just blows it out of the water because there's no way <laughs> there, there's just there's no way to go the the lengths and the places that they went with uh-huh. the dreams that in uh, in a live action setting that you can do in um, animation. Right. It's why I didn't hate the live action ghost in the shell uh, film from a few Mm -hmm. years ago. I thought that it was, it was well done, but the problem that you have is if you try to compare it to the anime of ghost in the shell, it's not fair. Ghost ghost in the shell is so much better because it can take, it can go further. It can take more risks. It can do different things in an animation mm-hmm. uh, that you just can't do. And this is where my my room temperature take is going to come from, which is <laughs> anyone that says animation is only for children is that's shorthand for they don't know what the hell they're talking about. Yeah, because it's just cl- plainly wrong. Yeah, I was scrolling through Twitter uh, just before this, and it was a. I, I saw someone saying, and they are absolutely correct, that Avatar, like the new Avatar movie, is an animated film and should be treated as such. Like it, and and the fact that he gets real mad when people say that <laughs> is, uh, you know, yeah, like it's it's just a medium. Like it's it's like anything else. Mm-hmm. It is, and and I think that there is room for all of it, whether it's going to be. Animation that is that is purposely aimed at young children and made yeah. for that, uh, or it's animation that is going to kind of bridge the gap and be a little bit for everybody, um, mm-hmm. or it's going to be something that is clearly aimed at an adult audience, and that can be done in several different ways. Um, oh, yeah. It doesn't have to be uh, heavy metal. It doesn't have to be love, death, and robots. It can be... Something that's just like I, I don't see a point in showing a movie like this to anybody under the age of like seventeen because yeah, it's just going to be lost on them. There's so yeah. much of it that that you it's just going to shoot right over their head, and the visuals aren't going to make any sense. Um, I so forget, um, there's a lot I of that. The name too. of it, but there's the new one uh, that just came to Netflix: the Japanese horror shorts. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. I saw that one. I can't. Think I, can't. What it's called. I went scrolling, and now it's not here. Oh yeah, <laughs> here we go. Uh, yeah, the Jinji Ito ones. Yes. Yeah. Like definitely not for kids. Not and, for children. And that's fine. Like even even something that isn't uh, like over sexualized or overly violent is something like Grave of the Fireflies. That's not yep. something that yeah. that's clearly aimed at an adult. Uh, mindset and adult storytelling, which is um, and and I feel like more people need to open their mind to that and look and view animation 
as something that can be for anybody and just tells it's a different way to tell a story yeah so i was kind of lucky because my parents um when i was younger would we would pick up like uh either uh, laser discs or sometimes they were vhs tapes from like the library or something and they would be collections of animated shorts from things like uh canadian film broadcast something or other uh like festivals and stuff like that so i got i did get some exposure to some stuff that was not your traditional animated stuff that's on tv yeah in the u.s in the 80s and 90s um and that was nice because that did help to give me a better appreciation for things i did certainly go through my phases where i thought cartoons are only for kids or you know but i i got out of that pretty quickly and i realized no it's just another form of of telling a story and they can be a, a whole lot of fun. And so mm-hmm. I love animation uh, quite a bit. But another nice. thing, um, another thing that I think is really cool that animation can do is in its editing. And that is one of the things that Satoshi Kon, I think does in this movie phenomenally well is like the first, what is it? Probably four minutes of this movie has like nine match cuts in it. And those alone are such a cool way to tell this story because you're using these match cuts. It it, it disorients you at first. That's kind of what it <laughs> yeah. is. I did read as I was kind of doing some research on the movie that one of his inspirations was the uh, filmed version of Slaughterhouse-Five, yeah. which does use a lot of match cuts in it as well. I remember seeing that uh, many years ago. Mm-hmm. I love stuff like that. I love – there's a – in that the opening title sequence – is fantastic for this movie and it's full of these match cuts and these crazy transitions. And my favorite one is it starts off and paprika is in a restaurant eating a burger. So -hmm. you get a a close up of the burger and her taking a big old bite out of this burger. And then some young men come up and start talking to her. And like this whole sequence is great because first it's that close up on the burger. Then we cut out to this wide shot and she's very small in the frame and they come into the frame and they start talking to her and the camera never moves. It stays wide like that. And then it cuts in again, but it's her and like a reflection, but it's mm-hmm. multiple versions of her reflection getting more and more annoyed. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then she leaves and she runs out the front door. And as she's going out the door, there's a guy, is he on a skateboard or, or walk? I can't remember if he's on a skateboard or if he's just walking or what, but there's like this weird, it's almost like a, and another thing that, uh, that you can do. And it's, it's a fun way. It's not a match cut, but using like an object to wipe across your screen. Yeah. Um, yeah. and they don't quite do that, but there's this guy comes into frame as paprika is coming out and you lose her behind him and he keeps going yeah. and he turns towards the camera and starts coming towards camera and she's gone almost like she disappeared behind him. But then as he gets up to the camera, you see her on his T-shirt and then the camera pushes into the T-shirt and suddenly that's your, your space now. You've, you've moved in space and like, it's, I love that. I love that. (laughs) There's a point towards the end where they're running and then she dives into the TV on a news Mm -hmm. broadcast and suddenly she is wherever the news broadcast is going on. And I love. Which is so good because when everyone follows her. Mm-hmm. You get to see from the other side that they are actually coming out of the television camera. Yeah, it's because such a obviously. Cool... 
Right, but it's like that's a that's a perspective I mean, you that's rarely dream logic. get. Yeah, yeah, it is. But that's also the perspective you rarely get in that moment. Like I've seen that gag done before where somebody goes into right. the TV and you end up there, sure. but you never see the other side of it and seeing somebody coming out of the camera lens and into the, the mm-hmm. scene, which is also happening at the exact same time. But yeah. it is total dream logic. So like stuff like that was great. I just, oh, there's so much in that dream, those dream sequences in the dream world that is like odd and, and dizzying mm-hmm. and just amazing. And I, yeah. I, I adored all of it. Yeah. That parade is something else. Oh yeah. And it just keeps growing. <laughs> yep. Like it just gets the crazier more and, more and crazier. Yeah. It's, it's basically like it's, you know, because it represents sort of, you know, your subconscious. And so it's all of it's it's supposed to be all the like debris that just sort of gets lost in your subconscious. Um, and so the more people that join the dream, the more uh, trash <laughs> lines up there. I love the frogs, though. I unapologetically love the frogs. Oh, the frogs are great. They're fantastic. The frogs. I loved uh even there would be some foreshadowing. We would see um, the character of uh, Tokita mm-hmm. and who, you know, we are introduced to Tokita in the elevator. The elevator opens up and he is taking up the entirety of the elevator. Yep. And uh, so then, um, what's her name? Chiba? Is that it? Yeah. Uh, yep. Atsuko. She helps him out. Oh, Okay. All right, I'm sorry. I got to go back to the editing thing because there's another thing that uh, Satoshi Kon does in his editing that I adored, mm-hmm. which is because um, this is a movie that uh, it's a it's a movie that does not talk down to its audience. No, and there are moments where things happen, and the way that it's edited, you don't see the result, but then you mm-hmm. see the aftermath of it. Yeah. So the first time we meet uh, Tokita and the doors open mm-hmm. up and you see uh, Atsuko trying to help him out of the elevator, we don't see him get out of the elevator. It cuts away before we get that. Yeah. But we know it happened because he later on he's out <laughs> of the elevator and we move on. Yeah. There's um, when the chief, is it chief, what, uh, the, the little short guy. Yeah. When, when he, that scene where he gets affected by things and starts to lose it. Which is our first yeah. time where that's our first leak of dream world coming into the real world. And right. he's just, he's talking. And then all of a sudden, mid sentence, he, sta- he starts making less and less sense. And at some point, like the first time that you see it, you go, Are my subtitles okay? <laughs> like, I feel like something's gone wrong. Yeah. Is this what it's like? Have we, is this a bad one? Are we cool? Okay. <laughs> All right. I understand now. Yeah. Fantastic. It's crazy. And it just keeps going and going. But then he freaks out and runs out of the room and yep. runs down the hallway. And you're watching this. And I'm like, oh, no. Oh, I can see where this oh, is going. No. And mm-hmm. he leaps out of the window. And you see him in mid-flight. And then we fade out from that. Yeah. And then we come back later on. And he's just in a hospital bed. Yep. That, to me is almost more unsettling and more effective than going through the whole process of him hitting the ground. Because right. now my brain has to or fill in. Or a tree in. 
or whatever, whatever. however this all shook out. However it worked out that he survived, we don't see that happen. And I kind of loved that about Mm -hmm. this movie because it's not the only time that happens. It happens over and over. It's like a thing that he does that I just think is brilliant. Um. No, there's so much of that. And then just that crossover of sort of the surrealism of like dreams. The dream world is very surreal. And Paprika being kind of this ma- almost a master of the dream world in a lot of ways. Um, and then slowly figuring out over time that Atsuka and Paprika are the same person, just different aspects yep. of her. And I thought that was kind of cool. It confused me at first. And then as things kept going, it kind of unfolded. <laughs> and I sort of figured out what it was. Is like Paprika is sort of, it's her escape, right? Yeah. It, it's her escape from her reality is to be paprika. But then yeah. she starts to confront that herself because there's also a big thing of balance in this that I got. Yes. Of this idea yes. of a balancing thing like there's nothing wrong with escapism and dreams are a form of escapism that we have. Yeah. Because nobody we don't really know why we dream or what our dreams are exactly. Right. Um, right. Whether there's any influence on them or if it's just our brain dumping out information or what. Um, but they're a form of escapism a lot like film is. Film and television is a form of escapism where we can watch the things that we don't get to do in our normal life. And yeah. what I liked was that balance of things where, you know, it, it, it's a movie that says, look, escapism's fine. There's nothing wrong with that do that every once in a while mm-hmm. because the mm-hmm. the what was the um uh police officer's name uh Kagawa Kanakawa 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 Okay um he uh was like the opposite end he didn't do any escapism yeah. he stopped going to movies he stopped doing any of that and so that's why his dreams were all based around that was it was this need for that balance So the other thing about Chiba using paprika is that she's trying to help psychiatric patients but chiba Mm -hmm. in reality is very cold and clinical and maybe not what these people need um and she's also not you know i mean she's very it, it also allows her to get close to people without having to actually get close to people true yeah, that's very, very true. It's interesting to me how different her dream persona is from her. Yeah. And like, while we don't get a um, Tokita's like real kind of dream persona, we only see him as the robot that he yeah. sort of becomes. Mm-hmm. His childlike nature makes you think that he's just sort of the same in his dreams as he is in reality. That there's there not is, much though, we do. Him. We do at one point see um, the the handsome guy um, who uh, Osan Osanai yeah Osanai yeah um, we do see him as like a a like giant god statue yeah when we're going through you know what I mean like he's the guy that um, that Takana wants to be Takita wants to be you know. 
Yeah, that's true. He does look up to him a little bit. And you also had um who was the uh the the little um assistant, uh uh Himuro. Yeah. Um who sort of looked up to Takito. And His, that so that I didn't remember it had been a hot second since I watched the movie and I sure. did not remember his house so much. Mm. Um, and so that's another one where you do kind of wonder where the line of reality is. And maybe you hope it's a little further away because his house is really creepy. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, that was an, it was a strange one. And again, you get that moment where like, when did Chiba cross into the dream in that room? Was it when she looked at the photo? Because yeah. about the time she looks at the photos, when you see the little, um, like the doll figure that's in the yeah. closet, right? And but like, it's it's hard to tell. Like it's yeah. really, and they and they do that deliberately. So oh yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, I loved. I just I really connected with the idea of the balancing with um, mm-hmm. the detective and this whole idea of movies and dreams and reality and how they're sort of three. There are three different aspects of of things. Dreams and movies kind of played the same role, but differently. Um, yeah. His dreams all focused around movies. And then that part where he starts uh, explaining film kind of theory to yeah. Paprika in the dream. And he looks like Akira uh, Kurosawa oh, yeah. while he's doing it. It's real good. <laughs> uh, it was great. And um, just this idea of like, his dreams were very cinematic and then you get to somebody else's dreams and they weren't cinematic. They were just off the wall out there. Crazy. Like Takedo's dreams were all over the place and, Mm -hmm. and you start getting this mash and they get weirder as you go along because you're incorporating more and more dreams into this collective dream. That's all being run by their, uh, like chairman. I think it was who Mm -hmm. that guy was, was out there and but his thing was he was using the escapism of the dreams to fulfill the fantasies he had of like being able to walk yeah use his legs and have power and have control that he already had in real life being the chairman and being like being in a position of power but that wasn't enough for him so he needed more right and he was using uh osane um Mm. in a way as well, which that was some weird imagery too of the two of them <laughs> melded together. Uh, yep. But absolutely loved the moment where they split and he bursts into the bunch of butterflies. Butterflies. That was such a yep. cool uh, visual. That was a very that was a really cool visual that ended a very strange sequence of visuals that were, <sighs> yeah, odd and very uncomfortable. Um, uh huh. And got more and more un- like they got weirder <laughs> as they went along because it gets it's very, very creepy when yeah. when he captures Paprika, Osane does. Yep. And has her on the table like a butterfly. Yep. And that whole scene is because it sort of feels like it comes out of nowhere. And maybe if I watch it again, I'll sort of see the signs coming for that. But the the whole idea mm-hmm. of his obsession with her, yeah. Um, but it gets it starts off creepy enough, and then there's a lot of handsiness um, that is 
that is not that is not comfortable to watch and it just keeps no. going it keeps pushing and then that it envelope. gets weird like because you're like this is already uncomfortable mm-hmm. right because he like runs his hand down her and then his hand just sinks into her and you're like oh no what is happening and then he just like unzips <gasps> her yeah and it's Chiba it's underneath so and it's so oh man it's like <laughs> it's so weird and it's not the first time we've seen that imagery but it's such a different way it's done mm-hmm. here because oh yeah paprika did it earlier something similar to that earlier with the chief when he's yeah. first stuck in there in in that dream where he's sitting right. on top of of all the to- of all the dolls and the I toys the and dolls. all that and yeah. she she lays on top of him and again she like she morphs into this very submissive little Japanese girl to kind of yep. get through his defenses and then gets right up on him, morphs back into Paprika when, and he sort of recognizes her at that point, And then she just melts yeah. into him and, <laughs> and says something to the effect of, didn't, didn't she say something when she was doing that? Like, I'm, I'm going to have to get a little rough here. Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> and I was like, what is happening? What is <laughs> what going is on? Going and then he on. like, inflates like a balloon yep. and blows up yep. Yep. <laughs> so so weird so weird and it that's really really weird but it was a lot less uncomfortable than what happened to her later on like that was just so oh it was it was something else and the way that that all ends and mean as that's all going on you've got the detective sitting in the theater watching, uh, watching that happen and trying to get in there yeah. Which was another really crazy visual to yeah. see because all you see is him against the wall of the theater. Yep. And then the and then you sort of forget about him for a little bit because now we're focused on this really uncomfortable scene playing out. And then in the background you suddenly see this impression of him kind of coming through the wall. Coming through the wall. <laughs> and it's like, whoa, oh that's right. He was there. Like there's a lot of, oh yeah, that was that was still going on stuff happening. Um yeah. kind of all over this movie. Shout out to him for like being like he checks on her, and then he's like, "Oh, here," <laughs> he yeah. takes have, off his coat. Have my jacket. Wrap her up Very in that, good, and then get her out of there. Um, yeah. and and that's the best. So he walks out right. So then, um, Shima, the the little chief Shima, there, that's his name. Yes, right. So Shima's calling in, right, because he thinks that Shiba is like gaunt like he can't get in he's trying to fall asleep and dream but he's too stressed to dream so he can't get in there and so um when he sees um konakawa carrying her out of the theater right and he's like oh it's you what why are you there why do you have her and he's like in a in a poster of the tarzan movie like as a monkey and he's just like why are you a monkey not now this is not the important part (laughs) it's it's not not but at the same time that also make like that would be my first question it's very good yes is why are you a monkey monkey? like (laughs) i i laughed so much at that (laughs) oh it it was it was real good um yeah and and just this idea that like he's trying to work out because there's a story going on where he's trying to figure out this murder case. Yeah. And which is ultimately not super important. It's not, but it's also like very important because it's very important for him. And it's another case of a thing that happens that we don't see the resolution to it. We just see what happens after the resolution 
to yeah. that. Like he figures out the case. But, he does. But it's not important to us as the viewers, so we don't see any of that. Right. It's just the aftermath of, well, he's figured it out and Paprika's happy for him and she tells him to go see a movie. And um, he's he's fine with going to movies again because he figured out that his dreams, you know, he was, it was this whole idea of like his dreams were very much his subconscious working out problems that he had. Yeah. And things that had happened to him in the past and it all centered around this guilt he apparently was harboring for an unnamed person whose face we never even see from his past, yeah. which again, yeah. isn't the important part of what's going on. It's, I read some reviews on this movie on like IMDb, uh, cause I'm always curious about positive and negative reviews and the negative sure. reviews to this all told me that it was, it was just a movie that wasn't for this person because they wanted, and that's fine, which is fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They wanted it to be something else. They wanted it to be something else. They wanted it to be a straightforward narrative. And this movie doesn't give you that. And so it could, it, I could see it being frustrating for somebody that wants to know about that story. And you're not going to get that. That's not what this movie is here to tell you. It's not here right. to tell you who took and how they took the DC mini. No, the dream device or how the dream device works or why they were developing it in the first place or how it came about or any, like none of that is important well, and none we of do that. You know really that matters. they're, they are using it for psychiatric work. That is the idea is to be able to like, especially cause it's, it, I think the, the implication is that it won't necessarily just work for dreams, but for like a lot of people, like especially say people who are um, non-communicative. Like if you have a way to then actually communicate with what's going on directly in their brain, this is a major medical triumph. Yeah, I could see that. Um, But it's just like the nuts and bolts of that. None of that matters. That doesn't matter. And, and this, just this idea of like, what is reality? Is reality what we're, what we're experiencing or is the reality? Cause there's a moment where uh, Chiba and Paprika are having a conversation um, and I, first of all, I loved, I loved the moment where Paprika shows up to help her, uh, save Shima yeah. Yeah. and pulls him up and they look at her and she's just like, this isn't time for questions. Let's go. And just, <laughs> yeah, they no, take off. No, not like, now. We're not going to explain it and you're never going to find out. And I'm fine with that. Um, and what I love about Paprika, right? Cause like you said, she's the master of the dream world. And so she, you know, so like you, you know, you have Konakawa trying to push through the movie screen to get into that room. Whereas you've got Paprika who understands how things work because she is of that realm and yep. she climbs into a a horse racing poster and gets on a horse. Yeah. And, and just rides takes it. Off. Like, this is like, let's go. I, uh, so many moments like so, that. Um, but there's a, there's a moment with Paprika and Chiba where they're, they're kind of arguing of like, with this whole thing of like, well, why aren't you doing what I tell you to do? Or, or why aren't we whatever? And Chiba says, look, you're just a part of me. You should listen. And Paprika comes back with like, how do you know you're not just a part of me? And it's that whole, like, <laughs> it's that, it's that looking into the mirror is the mirror, the reflection of me, or am I the reflection of the mirror type of thing? Yeah. And you can really yeah. fall down those rabbit holes and, mm-hmm. you know, take some mind altering substances and really get to enjoy it. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But but it does at least give you these questions of, 
you know, kind of how do we define our reality? Right. And and so much of what we define as reality is just interpretations of stimuli, which is no mm-hmm. different than what dreams are. Dreams are interpretations of stimuli. It just happens to be when we're asleep. Yeah. So I just found that really fascinating and I really enjoyed that. And this is the perfect medium to explore it in because you can just go batshit crazy with the visuals. Yeah. And you can have yeah. a guy's hand turned into like wooden tentacles or another yeah. head pop out of his shoulder. Uh, and it's like, hey, hi, yeah. how you doing? Like, whoa, no, 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 no. I don't need that. I don't need to see that. Or like when she suddenly becomes sort of a fairy. Yep. And she's just flying around because that's how you get around for, for that portion of things. Yep. Um, yeah. And then um, she's the uh, mermaid. Yep. When she falls in the water, she becomes a mermaid yep. and just like, like you said, the climbing it's into the poster of like, the horse racing and just taking off on a horse. I loved that. That was, yeah, that was it's great. shades, it's shades of Neo in the matrix, right? The like, once you know that you can tap into the source code, you can do anything. It's mm-hmm. a similar idea. She understands that anything goes. So great. We're going to yeah. do what makes sense in the dream logic. <laughs> and it just gives you these really cool moments of sort of self-reflection too. And the fact that like it takes her, it takes Paprika to sort of defeat the chairman who has mm-hmm. somehow merged with um, Osane yeah. in some way and become a giant, mostly shadowed figure that's going to yeah. reshape the cosmos and all of that. It gets really weird. Just just roll with it. Just go. Just go. It's fine. But Don't even it worry takes about Paprika it. to defeat that. However, for Paprika to be able to do that, Chiba has to reconcile some things in her life and find some more balance. Yeah. And that's where we get that whole scene where we flash back to her helping uh, him out of the elevator, helping uh, Tokita out of the elevator. Yeah. And their conversation there because there's a that was a that was a character arc that went some places with Chiba who like you said is very cold, clinical. Um yeah. she there's even a scene where she freaks out on Tokita and starts yelling at him and calling him a there's fat a slob. Yeah. Well, in that built up, right? So at first it was just sort of the the offhand comment of like maybe you eat a little bit too much because he's at the restaurant and he's getting like four yeah. orders of food. Um, yeah, which was another thing. That it I all kind looks of so good. With. Anime food is oh. anime food is everything. The the jumbo steak, yes, that's me. Oh, Udon so noodles, good. all that. I, oh. Oh, um, but it's it starts like that's a fairly benign kind of jab. She just sort of makes a comment about it, but it's not really mean spirited necessarily. She's yeah. just like, oh, look, maybe you just eat too much, you know, and that's your yeah. problem. But she gets yeah. more and more kind of aggressive about it over time until the scene where he's obsessing over working on the DC mini and figuring out how to do things. And she flips out on him. So then to have it flash back to that first meeting we see of them. Now it's not their first meeting, but like our introduction to the two characters and seeing what happened after they cut away from her pulling him out of the, the elevator and that conversation and that very, you know, that just touching moment between the two of them where she kind of had, she had to come to the realization of like her feelings for him yeah, and her feelings for herself and sort of 
in through that was able to let go of having to have the separation of her and Paprika all the time and right. find a little balance point and then Paprika can suddenly do what she did, which is turn into a giant naked lady and yeah. save the world. As you do. Eat, eat the shadow monster. Yep. Like you do. I mean, why not? Why not? At that point, sure. Um, yeah. And it worked. And it's just... Uh, I, it's a movie that, that has a lot of emotion in it, too. Yeah. That we're not doing... We're not doing enough justice, but there's no way to. There's no way to explain a movie like this. No. You really need to see it and experience it. Um, yeah. But I think that it's worth it. I think that if you are into surrealism at all, um, it's a very, very good thing to watch. If you're into animation and specifically Japanese animation, I think that it's a great movie to watch. Because yeah. I mean, it's all hand drawn. Like this, this mm -hmm. is like a thing to remember. There's a lot of a lot of work went into this, which I do. I I absolutely love this. It's really really good. Now, it, as I said earlier, I don't have like a. I'm not a gigantic anime fan, but I do enjoy anime. Um, and it, it oftentimes it's one of those things where somebody will say, "Hey, you should watch this." I end up liking it. Where does this yeah. fall for you in terms of like, is this one that you watch or would would rewatch often? Is it kind of in your upper tier or do you have others that you go to more often? Yeah, this is definitely, I mean, it's like I said, I mean, it is weird, right? So mm -hmm. you got, and there are uncomfortable parts. Yes. So like that, it, I, I don't want to say it makes it less rewatchable because that's certainly not true. Um, but no, I, I love this one. The music in this one is excellent. Um, the And there's like so much stuff. Like, so the movie that he's supposed to go see, that Paprika tells him to go see, mm -hmm. um, was going to be Satoshi Khan's last full length feature. But he died before it was finished and it yeah. was never released. And you can see on the window of the ticket booth the posters. I mean, they're very, they're, they're very sort of like they're not really crisp or anything but you can tell from the colors that they are his other movies yes so that was all real good i did like real that. good i love this one um it's especially for an anime movie mm -hmm. like I, I i have a lot more anime series okay. sort of in my rotation um but as movies go this one's this one's top tier well and a lot of at least a lot of the anime that I have experienced is very high concept. And so series makes more sense for that because you need, yeah, you need some more and it benefits from more time to tell the stories. One of my favorites is spice and wolf, which is about a guy who runs into um, basically a harvest God and takes her on a journey, but also it gets very deeply into complicated um, like finance discussions <laughs> it's like i don't i don't i don't know how to tell you uh but yeah yeah it gives you a lot more room to play oh it does but i mean I you look at something you, you look at something like full metal alchemist comes from a manga and becomes a series and yeah. you're not you can't tell that story in a single feature film no uh no. 
you know, whether it's that or it's Seven Deadly Sins or it's uh, any of the ones that take place at magic schools or high, you know, the the high school. Yeah. Anything. It, it's so much of it benefits from serialized and serialed storytelling. Yeah. That, mo- that a feature film just isn't the right right world for. Um, but mm-hmm. I think that Paprika is perfect to do in this self-contained yeah. story where right. we just get to sort of, because it's, because it's not a big long narrative. It's more of a, uh, like an art piece. Right. Um, it's, it's kind of like, like my Miyazaki's films for me work because he never tried to make them any, there's never like continuations on the story. Yeah. Um, there's not like this interconnectedness to them. It's like princess Mononoke is this, this section out of I'd be fascinated to know more about that world sure. but I don't need it because that story right. and that movie does so much they're spirited away does the same thing all of yeah. those there are like little threads that run through mm-hmm. like the soot sprites and, and things like that but yeah they're they're all pretty self contained yeah and this is definitely one I do this does make me really want to a it makes me want to go back and watch Inception again because I want to see sure. some of that but it also really makes me want to watch Perfect Blue which I hear has some weird and somewhat disturbing stuff not so much I don't think in the same way that like the scene in Paprika was but I think it's got because it's kind of it was a big influence on something like Black Swan right and the dual life cuz that's another thing is you get a lot of the like this had dual realities and sort of a dual life of Chiba um, mm-hmm. with uh, Paprika and Perfect Blue is supposed to have a lot of that dual life thing. Millennium Actress, I think, was another um, Satoshi Kon that's supposed to have a lot of that same kind of stuff in it. Just makes me want to check out more of his work because it's fascinating. And and I just loved I loved so much of the the story that was being told. And I really, really like the technical aspect of what he did in the art style, in the animation, and in that editing. That editing just blew me away. Like, the more I think about the editing in this movie and the fact that there's things you can do in animation editing, even, that you can't do in live action. There's right. You can do insert shots that are six, seven, eight frames that would normally take yep. you a second and a half, two seconds to do live action. You can do in almost no time nearly subliminally but not like you can still consciously see it but it's so quick and it almost lets you process it better and it's much easier to remove visual information from a frame um, Um, in order to focus the animation the animation director for this um was masashi ando who did princess mononoke and spirit okay well that probably explains a little bit of why i like the animation Mm -hmm. so much um yeah and it's just it's just bonkers, but man, was was <laughs> I just drawn into this whole thing? And I was I yeah. I, I was like, give me more. Um, mm-hmm. And you mentioned the music, and the music was was cool because it was so weird and different. Uh, in between, like the dream, and then you get into the dream sequence, and it's that march that keeps playing of the parade, yeah. And that was crazy. Um. And I really, really enjoyed all of that too. Uh, I just visually, auditory, 
Um, all like this movie was well done, well put together. I understand why it has the reputation that it does. Mm -hmm. And it is, as I said, not a movie for everyone. So, uh, you know, your mileage may vary, but I really (laughs) enjoyed it. Um, and I think that it's a, it's a worthwhile thing to see. And I just think I'm going to kind of come back to, I feel like animation in general just doesn't there's too many people that are closed off to it it's the same and i've heard the same thing of people that um will disregard a story because it's a medieval fantasy story Mm -hmm. and they just Mm -hmm. can't get into that and it's unfortunate because i do think you lose something in not allowing yourself to take in stories that are from a, a genre or a style uh that isn't the same all the time um, yeah. you know, I think that it's, it, it is because you, if you don't step outside your comfort zone of kind of the things that you're going to always watch, you're, you might not find that thing that like fish story from last week, miles, yeah. miles tells me about this movie. Come to find out it's one of his five like favorite movies of all time. Mm-hmm. And it's definitely not something that I would have sought out on my own. And right. then I sit down and I watch it and I'm just blown away by it. I bring up um, Amelie a lot because it's mm-hmm. another one of those you brought to me. I did. Where... I did. That one is precious to me. Like that one is, I, I wind up a lot of times like this. I wind up wary of sharing with people because as you say, it is not for everyone. Uh, Amelie, I wind up being a little wary because it's like, if you don't like this movie, I don't know that we can continue <laughs> to be friends because I don't feel like you understand me as a human. I mean, <laughs> you know, I kind of, I, I get what you're going for or I get where yeah. you're going with that. And it, it can happen. You know, I have, and, and I don't think you have to go weird for something to be outside your comfort zone either. No, but like, I'm the same way when it comes to kind of music and books and art in general i'm not going to dismiss something because it is a thing i'm going to odds are if i hear uh like a lot of pop music doesn't tend to do much for me but it's not sure it's not because it's pop music it's just the way that it hits my ear but then every once in a while i hear a song and i'm like holy hell that's really good i just love like i love this song and I i can't explain why but it works and it's the same thing that happens to me with a movie or a television show that shouldn't like uh, that that on paper doesn't make any sense that i would like it and then i watch it or i listen to it or i read it and i'm like this was great this is the greatest thing i've ever seen that's like my deep love of the great escape there is no reason on earth i shouldn't love that movie the way i do but here we are (laughs) yeah like the venn diagram of you and your your likes and yeah. the great escape doesn't seem <laughs> as though it should have an overlap at all. Uh, the the one over, it's Eddie Izzard is the overlap, <laughs> and that's how we got there. And but it turns out it's a real good movie. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, <laughs> then you can watch Chicken Run. It's the same movie. Yep, yep, same movie. Um, but yeah, I just think that there's there's not enough uh, kind of love for animation in general amongst sort of a broader audience. There's too many people that think oh, it's just for kids. And yeah. open your mind to it. Let let it kind of, you know, watch watch something animated, and see. Even if it's like animation, you had mentioned earlier about like hyper realistic animation. Yeah. And sort of this idea of like, well, why even animate it then? Yeah. Which I get, 
because I think that, uh, again, animation is such a creative medium that you can go so many different places to. But also, I kind of like, I appreciate and really enjoyed Richard Linkletter's A Scanner Darkly film. Sure. Because sure. he did the rotoscoping of that. There's no need to animate it, but there was right. something cool about watching this story unfold and in that visual style that I really yeah. enjoyed. Um, yeah. I, that's one of the things I liked about uh, Ralph Bakshi's Lord of the Rings was yep. his use of, he had to cut a lot of corners and and save some money. So some ways he could do that were rotoscoping and like mm -hmm. filming people on a, on a high contrast uh, white background in, you know, in silhouette and throwing that into his animated movie. But it what ended was, up making um, for a really- was it Seventh Guest that used to have all the like weird live action-y cutscene things in it. Oh yeah. Yeah, the seventh, yeah. There was a lot of those yeah. at that in that era. Oh, seventh yeah. Guest, Eleventh Hour, uh Return yeah. to Zork used a lot of full motion video. Yeah. Um but I think it's it, it's always curious to me when you see stuff like that. It's Bakshi is one that I really liked. Um what is the guy who made the thief and the cobbler? I can never remember his name. Um it, I oh, mentioned him I uh Richard Williams. That's who it was. I mentioned him a few weeks ago when I saw Zardoz, thinking like it was like live action Richard Williams watching Zardoz. <laughs> um, and I love stuff like that. I like that just I, I love how animation can be as hyper realistic or as zany as you want. You can have something like Phineas and Ferb where if you want to really dive into it, you can't figure out how Phineas can ever put a shirt on because his head is too yeah. big. Like he's got a giant yeah. triangular shaped head and a tiny little shirt yeah. uh, neck hole. But yeah. at the same time, I don't care. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. matter. It doesn't matter. It's just fun visual to have. And I, I watch a lot of animation. Like now that I'm like stopping to think about <laughs> it, I watch an awful lot of animation on like a day to day. And that's not even getting into things like claymation and stop motion. Which can go in yeah. all Which sorts I'm of so ways. Which I'm so glad that I'm so glad that there are people holding on to that. Mm -hmm. Oh, um, because it would it it would be infinitely easier to do it digitally, like just beyond <laughs> beyond easier to do it digitally. Um, and I'm happy that people are not, because that I went long time uh, when I was growing up. That was what I wanted to do. I oh, don't have the attention span for I I would that. love to be better at, <laughs> at stuff like that because I think that the like the filming of something like stop motion is so much fun. I was never good at um making my own things to do stop yeah. motion with. Um but I also like how you've got there's still people holding on to to traditional stop motion as well as utilizing digital animation in a stop motion style um when yeah. i saw the lego movie for the first time oh yeah then to realize that none of that was made with a with an actual physical lego at any point yeah and that it was but that they is, that's a good one they gave it the feel of traditional stop motion and i yes. appreciated that because i liked that better than if they had tried to make it smoother and not yeah. look like that stop motion. I wanted that that little bit of right. like because lack of motion. That's how Legos would move. Yeah. obviously, clearly. So I like the mixture of both. Though I like being able to use our modern technology, 
yeah. but not forget about the things of the past. But then there's still people. It's just like digital art versus somebody who grabs a paintbrush and slaps yeah. paint onto a physical canvas. Yep. All of it should be there and all of it has a place. And I think that animation has a place in film and in television right alongside live action. And I think that you can you can tell a similar story in both mediums and the executions of them are so different Yeah, that I don't, I try not to say, well, this is better than that, but there's aspects of Paprika that are better than what Inception was trying to do. And that's not a knock on Inception. It's just that you can do that in animation. It's so much easier Mm -hmm. to have a moment where she tries to jump over that guardrail and everything bends and swirls and suddenly she's nearly jumping out the window or jumping off the balcony of that building. Balcony. That you just couldn't you couldn't pull that off in live action and have it look no. right. Right. Not not in the way that you can do it in animation. Right. Um, so there's you know but I like seeing the influences of animation on artists and on film directors too. True. And seeing them incorporating similar things. Um yeah. sometimes full on shots, as Aronofsky is <laughs> well well known to do. Um, nothing wrong with that though. Uh, there's a quote. I don't know if it's actually from, um, Picasso or not. Uh, it's murky whether or not it is, but it's good artists. Uh, what is it? Good artists copy, great artists steal. Steal. Yeah. Like there's a little bit to that. Everything's going to be influenced by something else. It's just a question Mm -hmm. of how much and what type of credit you give to what came before. Yeah. So, um, yeah, pa- Paprika is really good, everybody. You, you should watch it. <laughs> um, it is not on any streaming services, but you can rent it uh, just about anywhere. Yep. Um, yep. Or, you know, go pick up a DVD. I'm sure it's still on DVDs and Blu-rays out there somewhere. I'm sure. So. Absolutely. But it, it's a ton of fun, and I definitely recommend checking it out. Uh, I'm going to be watching it again. I know that. If, yep. if for nothing else, then to try to, like, kind of piece together and understand more of it and peel back more of the layers of what it was. Um, I think that's going to be fascinating to kind of do and, and watch it again. It's sort of, and I've used this metaphor before, but it's going to a play. And the first time, if you go to a play and you sit in the theater and you watch it and you go again, but you sit in a different part of the theater and watch the same play with the same actors from the same run, it's two different experiences sitting in different parts of the theater. And for yeah. me, that's what a movie like this is to rewatch. I'm rewatching sure. it and it's going to be a wholly new experience because of what I know now and what I've gone right. through with it. So it's not just going to be crazy visuals. Um, <laughs> I'm going to be able to kind of figure more things out. And yeah. I love that. I, I, I can't wait. Super fun. Um, so thank you so much for this recommendation and for finally getting me to watch this. Yes. (laughs) Um, now if you enjoy conversations like this and you want to watch it, uh, happen live, usually without interruption, but, uh, (laughs) you know, what can you do? Um, you can do that most Sunday nights, 8 PM Eastern time at twitch.tv slash TV's Travis. We're here. And, uh, every week, and, um, yeah, normally the internet connection stays up long enough uh, to get through an entire episode. Sometimes it breaks down two or three times. Uh, <laughs> your, uh, it's just going to be a roll of the dice and what's going to happen that night. We're going to have fun with it. Um, 
But uh, Amy, what you is is Aquilo coming back soon? What's going on with that? Aquilo will be back um, for season six. What? What? Uh, season six will be starting um, in early March. I am hesitant to give an exact date because every time I do that, everything <laughs> falls apart. So we're just going to say early March. Um, we're also working on putting together a like, hey, so you're new here for people who don't want to listen to all five seasons before they start the new season. Um, so that'll be like a little catch up episode. That a we tasting also menu, on. if you will. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a last week on, but to cover the last two and a half years. I like um, it. Yeah. So, so early March, they'll be back, which is Excellent. plenty of time if you do want to start now. Um, I mean, you haven't listened. You've got plenty of time to catch up. If you haven't listened or you're like me and you just want to listen again, you got plenty yeah. of time to catch up because mm -hmm. it's, some of my favorite storytelling podcasts going because the right JF's writing is great and your delivery of all of it. It just puts you right in there. I also saw your stickers for stranger limits. <laughs> they are very cool. I am very excited about them. It was sort of an impulse purchase. Yes, but, but a great one. Yeah. So yeah, very cool. Aquillow, <laughs> com. Check it out. Yes. New se season six, early March ish somewhere. Yes. Somewhere coming soon. Definitely mm -hmm. cool. Um, this show uh, comes out on Wednesdays every week, uh, 203 weeks and counting because I'm insane. <laughs> um, if you like this show, uh, ratings and reviews on your favorite podcast platform, huge. Make the show more discoverable. Um, and I appreciate those. Uh, if you want to uh, help out, uh, in another way, there is a Patreon for this show, patreon.com forward slash W-Y-H-S. Um, and uh, you can, a uh, little as a dollar an episode, and you get uh, access to things on Discord. I'm going to start doing some uh, monthly movie catch-ups uh, where we'll go through the back catalog. We'll vote on a movie that patrons haven't seen before maybe and want to uh, to catch up on. Uh, we can go through the list of episodes, figure one out, and watch one of those every month. Uh, there's also merch at, um, if you go to tvstravis.com, you can find the links for all of this, Patreon, Kofi, and uh, the merch store. I did um, have a friend of mine find out that I had merch, and he immediately bought a hat and <laughs> sent me a picture of him in the, uh, like the bucket hat. Yeah, and, yeah. and he's heading to Hawaii on vacation in the next couple of weeks. He's like, I'm taking this with me. So I'm Perfect. excited to see that. He's he's going to send me <laughs> pictures of the bucket hat from Hawaii. Outstanding. So, uh, yeah. Um, now, next week, I'm talking, whoo, this is going to be, this one's going to be fun. Howard the Duck. <laughs> I get to expose somebody to Howard the Duck. <laughs> and uh, oh. let me tell you, it's going to be something, something else. Because uh -huh. uh, I don't know if he is prepared for duck boobs. But no one is. You know, it is what it is. Uh, and uh, Titanic also coming up soon with Mr. Tom Merritt. Uh, still can't figure out how he missed that one, but we're going to find out. We're going to talk about it. Um, and more fun stuff coming down the pipe uh, as uh, as we go. Um, so definitely stick around for that. TVstravis.com, newly redesigned. That's the place to find all the info uh, on all the shows that I do and, and everything. So, Amy, Amy, thank you so much. Um Thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for yet another great 
recommendation. Hmm. You, you're batting a thousand, by the way. My record remains intact. <laughs> so until next week and Howard the Duck, uh, enjoy your movies, everybody. And remember, be excellent to each other. Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>